Unlearning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. Our mission is to offer solutions and to provide a safe space for conversations that impact organizations. In this way, companies can better understand their challenges, gain clarity and raise awareness, both at an organizational and individual level. Contact us to start taking actionable steps on the topics of diversity, equity and inclusion and for one-to-one executive coaching. Enjoy this episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, and welcome to episode three of Unlearning Labels podcast. Tonight, um, I'm here with Peter Griffiths and Mira Griffiths, and we'll be speaking uh, about hate speech in the global workplace. Uh, You want to kick us off, Peter? Yeah. um, I I really want to just share, this is the European Council Committee's view on what hate speech is. I thought I would read this out because I thought it was quite interesting and it was quite a clear um, explanation of actually what it consists of because some people are like, what is that, you know? It says, all forms of expression which spread insight, promote or justify racial hatred, xenophobia, or forms of hatred based on intolerance, including intolerance expressed by aggressive nationalism and discrimination. So what does that actually mean? Should we unpack that? I think that's a great place to start, Mira. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I could probably, I could probably uh, go with with the personal experience, I guess, here, uh, because I, I, I mean, probably not the only one. Probably everybody experienced it in some way, one, one way or another. But uh, just this morning, I was uh, watching, I was looking at the Facebook feed of uh, what is happening in Croatia at the moment. And, uh, and so uh, you, Croatia and Serbia were in a, in a war. Uh, actually, people from Serbian people living in Croatia and, and Croatian people were in the war and then it escalated even more and let's not go there. But so it's been, what, 25 years since? And uh, and I'm looking at these posts and because government wants to get people to start being more inclusive. So in some areas where Serbs are minority in Croatia, where they live, they have put the signs in Cyrillic as well. So it's double lettering. And so, uh, and then people have started complaining about it. There were, there was lots of hate speech online. There was, what did we fight for? What is this? Go there and destroy it. Nobody's going to impose this on us. Who do you think we are? So I think, you know, and then that affects everybody else living in the area, people going to work over there. And what I think should happen is government really addressing this. As if you're looking at this as a company, 
you know, when there is certain situations like this happening within the company, you need to address it. You can't be quiet because I do understand why people are feeling the way they feel. Uh, but it comes from misunderstanding. It looks personal to them. So it really needs to be addressed and deconstructed in order, in order for everyone to feel safe. People that are using hate speech, that they feel threatened as well, I think. And this is the reason why they do it. Some part of them feels threatened. And, uh, and then they're be being violent towards others. So if it's not addressed, it just becomes a really tox toxic situation where, however, these conversations are uncomfortable. And, and because they're uncomfortable, people don't really like to get, go there. So they'll go, you know, if you leave it, it will pass. But it's been 25 years for this particular situation and hasn't passed. So, you know, if in company somebody doesn't talk about it, uh, it's not addressed, things are not talked over, uh, understood, it can go up to 25 years unless company disappears because of it in the future. So I don't know, it's just my take, but just as an intro, I don't know. I hope I wasn't too far. No, I love the way you presented it. And there's like two things that come up for me. Um, first of all, with current events, right? So you said it's affecting people that are going to work, right? So when they get to work, they've got this like emotional baggage, right? Mm -hmm. So as an organization, what are you doing about that? Are you welcoming in your employees, you know, recognizing this, the, like not just the political state of, of the company, but like uh, of the country, but like the actual um, commute of your employees to work, right? What are you doing to allay their fears and discomfort so that they can do their job and be present? And then the second thing that, you know, comes up for me as I'm listening to you, definitely, if this was just a company, yeah, that company would not exist. Cause like 25 years, seriously, no, mm. it would like the company would vanish. Mm. What, you know what you I'm think? hearing? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm hearing? It, it seems like a lot of this can be the, the, the root cause of it could be coming from fear. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm just for people watching or listening, I'm not condoning any of this at all because usually when someone is targeted they're completely caught and destabilized and caught off guard right you know it happens and you feel super uncomfortable and then it has an impact on that person which is detrimental right but i don't know it just sounding from from the from the um example mira gave there's a lot of uh there's a lack of awareness there's a lot of fear um, I, and again, the fear I'm guessing here can come from the media, um, from other colleagues, from social media, which can be very um, di divisive, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like to really chip away at this um, is to really just allow a safe space in your workplace, in your community where it's okay to talk about it because it is uncomfortable. You know, and, and I, I have to concede until I understand the particular situation or the challenge, 
yeah, you are a little bit uncomfortable because you don't have all the information at hand. But that's okay too, because if you're curious and you're willing to listen because you don't fully understand the situation, therefore you're going to be gifted with new information and you're less likely to be fearful because surely fear stems from disinformation. And as I said, it is, doesn't it stem from a lack of information as well? It can also stem from just, you know, triggering events, right? So like for some people, like you were saying there, the with the double lettering on the signs, you know, just maybe seeing the lyric um, letters may be triggering for people, especially if, you know, maybe they were going to work the day that the Civil War started 25 years ago, it may like bring stuff up for them, mm -hmm. right? And like they have this unresolved trauma that they're dealing with, you mm -hmm. know? So I'm, I'm really glad that we're starting off talking about current events and, you know, how that hate speech can show up in the global workplace. It's either like something that's within a person that may be bubbling up, or it may just be, you know, the results of current events. So like right now in the United States, you know, last May, um, George Floyd was killed by four police officers. Well, guess what? The trials are happening right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, again, you know, that's a triggering event. There are a lot of people that still haven't overcome that trauma. Um, and, and now they're broadcasting the, the trial. And I, I don't know how they're going to do this. It appears that they're doing one officer at a time. There's, there were four officers, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the witnesses were kids, as it turns out. So they had the, like a, two, a teenage girl and, a, and a, a child on the witness stand yesterday. And um, so just people watching that, you know, it's like, again, same thing, right? It's it, like, to Peter's point, this is more of like a social media or media in general um, mm. influence. And so their commute to work right now, a lot of us are on Zoom. Some people are actually going into the office. You know, they have that weight on their mind, you know, and they may go back to 10 months ago, where were they when this happened, you know? And so what are um, companies doing to, you know, like a year later to help employees? I know back then it was all the craze <laughs> to like have those conversations, but like, is that really necessary? It's almost like rehashing, reliving, and, you know, re-sparking that fear and anger instead of I was in an interesting event last night where we were invited to lovingly witness each other's experience. Mm -hmm. So what if organizations offered something like this? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because it looks to me that, um, you know, when, when we start the fear of where what happens is that when people are triggered, uh, it, it's usually because I can't, I can't be myself, uh, and I'm being oppressed here. So whether you are the one that hates or the one that is being hated, you're in the same position. So you're being oppressed. You're not allowed to be. You think you are not allowed to be who you are. You know, and because something like this is, is either triggered or you've grown up 
with that belief. So what happened with this sign that I mentioned, and it could be, you know, events that are happening in America right now, uh, it's put over there, but nobody was prepared for it. So nobody was explained what it is, what it means. It doesn't mean that you won't have... Uh, a voice anymore. It doesn't mean that things will happen again. It doesn't mean, you know, and I think there is this, uh, I, I think organizations after going to change projects and making changes at work, especially when big events like this happen, for example, in America, without explanation. And leaders need to be prepared for it. You know, when you're rolling stuff out, whatever that is, especially with these uh, very personal, very emotional, uh, you know, we are bringing ourselves full to work. Yes, it's work, but you still have your emotions, you know, you're not separated from it. That needs to be addressed. And uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that this is something that it's really talked or taught through. I don't know, Peter, what do you think? Quite often not, but as you say, a lot of these things, they happen because this is what happens, right? In reality, life happens. And then there's a, an event and it can be triggering. It can be really traumatic for people. And then there's other people not really understanding what's going on. So I kind of get it. And again, I'm not making, um, I'm, I'm not sided with one side or the other, mm -hmm. but I think organizations then get uncomfortable because they're like, well, damned if I do, damned if I don't, if I talk about this, we might get attacked and all of this, but we have to be bold and all leaders need to be equipped with the right skills, how to communicate. And it's okay if you get it wrong for people listening and watching, right? Because I had to do this, you know, it just made sense because at, at the time, the leadership team above me in, in their previous role, they weren't really saying much. So what I used to do was just ask my team. I would always take the pulse and their temperature check and just say, look, some crazy stuff's happened. How are you feeling? And again, because I knew my people pretty well, right? I would then decide if I could see that people were affected by it or I had a good guess that people were uncomfortable or maybe wanted to vent or talk about it. I would just make sure I set a time, set aside time to do that. And then, you know, it's like letting out a, a vent. It's like, allowing people to blow off a bit of steam because if you don't talk about these things these world events and let's be honest they're, they're happening every day right and yeah. i'd hazard a guess with the multicultural setup across the world that in most organizations of certain scale there'll be at least one or two people impacted you know whatever you are i'd be really surprised if there wasn't right so yeah the best thing you can do is just have that space but also don't as you pointed to cordelia don't really ram it down people's throats because why would you want to relive traumatic events you know so it's it's just be mindful that some people might want to talk about it but the context of your weekly updates on a monday might not be the best setting so it's really knowing your people and understanding you know the people in your team who really are emotional and they're connected with the more human side and want to talk about it and then just setting aside time as soon as it's possible without detracting from what you're doing, right? Yeah, Peter. So I want to take a moment and just uh, uh, welcome some people into the room. We have Rahma, who has joined us on Facebook. And it looks like um, Abnash is on LinkedIn. 
So we're just going to uh, reset and then I will present Rahma's question for us. So uh, this is the Unlearning Labels podcast. We go live the last Wednesday of every month. And uh, today we're speaking about hate speech in the, lo- in the global workplace. And so our podcast is really about deconstructing the issues and our language um, behind what, uh, what actually causes our behavior and our choices. So, um, and so far we've talked about two current events that are very present for people in Europe. Um, you know, there's uh, things going on in Croatia that may be triggering from the civil war uh, between Cro- Croatia and Serbia 25 years ago. And then in the United States, we're now having the trials related to the George Floyd killing last year. So Rahma's question is, what methods can we use to avoid being triggered? Um, and she adds on to that, especially when we have had negative experiences. So, you know, as we're talking about um, having these conversations in the workplace and trying to create psychological safety for our employees, what are some suggestions or recommendations? You know, let, let's start with you, Mira. You're both mindset coaches and you work with leaders. So mm. it's, uh... It's interesting, though. I mean, I had I had to learn a lot myself in order to stop being triggered, and I still am triggered. You know, it, it, it's uh, I still get when I saw what I saw this morning. I felt, you know, I started feeling angry, and why is this happening again, and all of that. And then, and but it's it's really understanding what is going on, what was going on we kind of need to go through a way of healing that space in a way. And, but it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to do that for 10 years of time and then be okay. It is really being aware of what is going on internally for you. So you do not project that on others. So if I felt uh, feelings of anger for whatever was happening today, uh, I could have went on Facebook and started ranting out about it and saying everybody how crazy they are. Are they going to make the same thing again? You know, but I was conscious enough to knowing that that's my feelings right now. At the moment, I don't have to act on them. So uh, triggers, you know, will be happening. We're humans. We have thoughts, memories. They get triggered, we get the same emotion out, emotion out, but it's the awareness that allows you to notice that emotion and then not act on it. But what gets you there is really understanding where you are now, what was the past, what can you learn from it, and uh, yeah. That's... The average person isn't really that emotionally involved, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, what... Um like what kind of workshops could an organization offer to mm. give people to that space? Well, again, it, I mean, we touched on it, right? It's about raising awareness around the fact that, you know, psychologically you will be triggered because let's be honest, most of these things happen. It's by surprise. Someone's ambushed with a horrible comment or why do you act like this? Or why do you dress like this? And it will trigger you, you know, but that's okay. And if you're, for example, if it's a situation where you've got more 
a bit more autonomy. So something's happened in the news and you're not feeling great going into work, then that's obviously a bit easier. So companies just need to train leaders on noticing the, the changes in people, because sometimes it can be quite subtle. But again, it's it's knowing your people. If you're listening to the pulse of your people by checking in on them and create, as you pointed to before, Cordelia, creating a psychologically safe space where people do feel included and they feel like you've got the back and you're checking in, then you're more likely to notice then if someone's mood just suddenly changes or a good might seem obvious, but if you really know someone in your team and suddenly, you know, usually they're happy-go-lucky, but then they've suddenly become lethargic and down, then that's probably a good indicator that something's off. So it's really training leaders in those basics of psychology and becoming better coaches. So when when they spot stuff, they can do, uh, you know, take action in and give feedback in a really non-threatening and more meaningful way. Because the the last thing you want is if you're already feeling down, you've already been triggered by events on the way into work on your commute. And then suddenly your boss says, right, I want want to speak to you, I want to speak to you in this room now because you seem to be acting weird. It's not probably going to bode well for the rest of the day, right? So, yeah. What do you think, Cordelia? Well, you know, the, the thing that I am also present to is like, let's say you create the space, right? And, um, but there's maybe one employee, right? That buys into whatever the rhetoric that's being spread, right? And they're just jabbing this person, right? But that person isn't someone who's going to speak up about it, but they're suddenly, going back to Peter's point, right? They're suddenly ill. They're suddenly missing work, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but what happens to the what the instigator? Like, how do we catch the instigator who is um, pulling the um, pulling down the morale at work? How do how do we catch that? It's uh, I would say it's it's interesting, uh, and and this is why we need to be comfortable going in uncomfortable conversations, but without triggering the instigator. So you need to be really comfortable doing that because if you're not, uh, you're going to get triggered yourself and then it can end up being a problem, you know? And it's, it's, uh, and so going back to what kind of workshops or what companies can do for, for people is probably teaching them listening skills but not listening skills to reply not listening skills that we you know active listening it's not that it's really being present with people and being present with the emotions that are coming up with them and you know it's just really the communication in a much deeper level so that could be one of the things but and it's interesting though it doesn't have to take long time because what we've experienced when people are engaged in these spaces in these conversations where people talk about stuff within the group, it kept, it happens really quickly. Really. Yeah. It's interesting you what you talked about there because I, I find that most leaders are uncomfortable in certain contexts, as we all are, right? Me too. But it's just, again, you have to go there first. So it's really about working on yourself. So organizations that allow that time for leaders to 
learn about themselves, how they're triggered, how their emotions are, and how they can keep themselves in check, that will put you in good stead when you're looking after a team. And if they're trained in facilitation, then they can hold that safe space. So if a team meeting starts to get it heated or someone's really put the foot in it and said something offensive, they'll know what to do rather than either making it worse by, you know, innocently stoking the fire or worse still by actually just being muted and then everyone being confused because they don't know why their leaders suddenly just left. And, and that usually the two things that happen, usually people innocently try to fix it and it gets worse because they're trying to fix it. And the second bit is when they just don't act at all because they're also frozen in fear and really super uncomfortable because they don't really have the tools or the language to use, right? Yeah. Um, I also want to just welcome in Brian. Thank you for joining us. And um, for those of you who are viewing and listening, um, please feel free to put your questions. Um, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So, and there's three of us, so we're manning all. Um, so we, we will get to your questions. You know, um, I realized, Mira, I didn't answer your question. We are actually, <laughs> we are putting together a workshop, aren't we? Right? And, um, and so we are offering an opportunity for, for leaders to have actionable tools to use um, and implement in their organization. And I'm just thinking that um, I'm really, I, I'm, my heart and my mind has really been affected by this event I attended last night. And one of the activities we got to do was to lovingly witness someone else's experience, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever it was that they had been experiencing. And, um, and the great thing about it, it was like, like you said, Mira, so much deeper than just active listening, because at the end of it, we were just appreciating, mm -hmm. um, the opportunity to witness that person's experience. And that was it. We weren't like giving feedback. That wasn't the game. So when your intention is to just like fully witness somebody, like it's a whole different dynamic. I felt different. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, to your point, Peter, this would be a great exercise to start out with leaders, right? Just having leaders mm -hmm. do something like this and, and practice on their leadership teams. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I would just like to take this opportunity to invite uh, anyone who's listening and you're, you're trying to understand what can I do to make the communication, um, in our organization better, you know, to, uh, to join our event on June 1st. So it, it's interesting though. It was something that I wanted to say, and it, you, you just said it, I, I just wanted to kind of take another spin to it. The reason why people feel threatened and why they hate other people that are different from them or different race or different, they're from different country, they're a minority or, you know, all of that is because it, it, it feels like something is taken away from them. It's like these people are here now, like, for example, what's happening with refugees. These people are here now and they're going to take away what's ours. So in order, 
in order not to feel that we try to make them same as us. And there was an article that you shared recently, and it was about the importance of having multicultural environment. And that's that's all about diversity. Companies that really embrace diverse, diversity, they really thrive. So you really need to allow people to be themselves. And, and this is where it comes to witnessing another person for who they are. And there is no, you don't feel threatened anymore when, when you're allowed to pe- to be who you are, when people know who you are and they're okay with that, hatred stops. You know, I was I was uh, uh, joking a lot with, with a friend of mine who is Arabic, and and she said it's really interesting though. Uh, she said people don't like you until they get to meet you, and suddenly even the person that didn't like Arabs, for example, suddenly. Arabic isn't equal to you. It's they start recognizing you as a person that is minus the label that they had attached before. So it's really important to to really do that. Yeah. You know, that's just reminding me that the only label once you have that understanding, you've had that human connection with someone that's different from you is human, right? Mm. And then that label, as you say, of Arab or whatever they're from doesn't make sense anymore you know not in that context right yeah remember that story cordelia and Mary, we were talking about we both seen this uh, guy i can't remember his name cordelia me you might remember the guy that uh, started to get curious about clan members and oh yeah he went yeah, yeah. to klu klux clan members really bold move as well because he thought well they're just like me and you however they're just a bit lost at sea you know they have this agenda that it just doesn't add up i need to dig deeper i'm curious and this curiosity led to him to connect with people that were totally different who dare i say at one point wanted to kill this gentleman and then he Mm. totally turned it around and a few of them ended up being friends you know which was totally transformational if somebody wants to look him up and what he's done is daryl davis daryl davis okay thank you yeah 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 is there any more questions I don't see any more questions. Um, Rahma did also offer, um, it can be hard to be transparent. So, um, yeah, and being, you know, curious, I I think is that it's, it takes a willingness to get there, right? You have to be willing to be curious and, um, it's, it, um, it, it goes back to self-awareness. It's like a loop, right? Like you can't get away from the self-awareness bit. Um, but, but once you crack the loop, you don't have to learn everything separately. It all comes together. Once once we understand what is going on, that's it. Well, you don't have to think about it. I mean, if you if you were curious, which we all, just, just for people watching this, we are all innately curious, whether you believe that or not. I know that... W- Everyone says, oh, well, I was when I was a child, but I got the life sucked out of me, you know, in adulthood. But I actually haven't seen any human that's got a heartbeat that isn't curious, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one other thing that I was thinking about while you were both talking is that if you want to improve diversity and create more safe spaces and have better human connections in the workplace, the best place to look is something called cognitive diversity that sounds really 
complicated and psychological, but it just means that, as, as you both pointed to, it just means listening to understand. Because when you have this rich diversity of different opinions, you can't not throw in the culture and the rich melting pot of everyone's history and all of the things that uniquely makes them themselves. But you don't have to focus on how do I how do I embrace these people into my team, if that makes sense, just because they're different. Because it's it's a lot easier if you're just listening to everyone anyway, by default, right? You know, I think I think as humans, we love to make things look quite complex, right? And again, I'm not saying these things aren't challenging because we have to chip away at these challenges daily, weekly, monthly, you know, it, it's an ever going thing, right? We have to keep going with it in organizations. This isn't something where we'll address it in a week and train your managers up and it goes away, right? And, and it's, you know, even if we actually spend a week, uh, but, uh, but that's not even that. It's like two hours workshop, you know, so it needs to be yeah. instilled. You know, like, uh, as you were speaking, uh, Rahma, she actually has put in quite a few comments, but this one kind of sums it up there. We all have good intentions, but there's a lot of discrimination. Some of her other comments are, I understand, but bullying does exist. And there's a limit to how much, you know, people can take. So, um, what is real? That's yeah. why we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's very real. So tell me. No, just I'm just saying. So, if if, if people have experienced it, because I have, and I've also as a leader in some organisations, unfortunately, I did see it more often than I would like. So, what are the tangible steps? And most organisations, or hopefully they will have this, that the HR function your line manager, but even if you're not comfortable speaking to your manager, reach out to any employee and just the the minute you share that load, you'll be absolutely amazed at how people will step up. It doesn't even have to be someone, you know, that's even classified as a leader. It could even be another employee. And most companies will have, you know, stringent steps in place where if some someone experiences bullying in the workplace or the mates are feel uncomfortable and they don't know what to do next, then, you know, the first place they'll point you to is the compliance policies and stuff like this. But even before it gets there, you see, for me, the, the, the big shame in organizations is that most of these things can be resolved before they ever get to that level, right? And the sad thing for me is that I dealt with them when it was too late because someone had already made a meal of it and started talking about company policies and all of that without actually even listening to the person that was impacted in the first place. So the, the first place to start is that the more that we're listening to each other, and if, if we hear that someone's been put in a really uncomfortable position and it's really caused them some, you know, anguish and pain and that, you know, that maybe they've gone sick or they just don't want to come back to work, then the first thing we can do is actually listen to what they want, you know, it's about empowerment, right? You know, what would you like to happen? I'm listening to you. I hear you. What tangible steps would you like me to take, you know, for the company? And what can we do to make this right? And in most of the time, listening is actually the best place, you know? It doesn't require escalation and lawyers and all of this, right? It doesn't. And, and you made it superhuman there, you know, because what you're talking about is the opportunity of a liarship that we all have, like with our colleagues, it doesn't even have to escalate to HR. You know, you know, if you're, you have uh, a colleague that you share your story with, the, the listener 
has an opportunity to use their privilege to be an ally for you, to stop that bully in its tracks, you know? Um, and this is where it takes courageous self-leadership to do that. Mm. It's, it's a really small step for one person, but at the same time, it's really for everybody because the minute you stand up to that bully who is just affecting the one person, the bully will think again before they, uh, you know, go after somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it, it is real and it's happening and we are all humans. And you know, what's interesting though, I caught myself uh, in the past thinking some not very nice thoughts about people, you know, and, and it's not easy to say that because you know, I think I'm evolved and I've, I'm a psychologist and I've done this and I've done that, you know, and I've been through a terrible experiences, but we are all judgmental. We, are, we all have biases. So uh, it's, it's easier to understand each other uh, as, as, you know, from different backgrounds and different um, different experiences uh, when we know that that we are all kind of uh, susceptible to do the same even if we wouldn't really uh, think like that about ourselves if that makes sense yeah we well, just yeah. see the mirror of ourselves and the other person that's what you're saying again keeping mm-hmm. it superhuman so mm-hmm. really it looks like the answer to addressing hate speech is being superhuman like not superhuman just being human and seeing (laughs) just just being you (laughs) just being you and seeing the reflection of your humanity in the person in front of you and yeah in a perfect world that will stop things in its tracks Mm -hmm. and and then the i guess the next step would be uh taking it uh taking on and recognizing your own privilege to be an ally and you know standing up for your colleagues yeah, I, I yeah. think lots of I think lots of people don't uh, don't get involved because they don't know if they should. They don't know if the, it's their place. They don't, you know, they're not. And and this is what what we were talking about when it comes to why people uh, are reluctant to help, especially if there is a big group around. And it's not because they're bad people; it's because they think, oh, maybe I they're looking for others, what others are doing. And if you, as a victim of bullying, do not show that you need help, that you don't, that you want help, people don't think that you need it, you know? And so it's just human. It's, it's, and I think we all do that one way or another. Uh, So it's really important. It's a big step for all of us, you know, asking for help, asking for other people to get involved. It takes huge amount of vulnerability and courage to do that. And, uh, and it's, and it's transformative. Like once you ask for help, if that's the problem, if that's something that you were not comfortable with, and that means for leaders, for companies, it changes your life. It can really change your life. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. 
I'm I'm wondering what's what's uh, percolating in in Peter's brain. <laughs> I'm just enjoying this conversation. It's a rich one, so thank you both. And uh, it it goes all the way back to the start of the conversation. Really, it's all about awareness. And the more that we talk about these topics, whether it's like this uh, in our communities in the workplace, the easier it will get. You know, incremental steps. We we we're not saying that everything can be resolved. Over, you know, overnight, far from it. There are no silver bullets. But the good news is that the more you talk about these things and these challenges inside your company, whether it's at a level of your team, chatting, you know, having a, a break with your colleague or, you know, in the larger departments or the whole company itself, the easier it will get because then people are aware, you know, that aware of things can go wrong, that aware of their own unconscious biases and they're fully aware of, I remember we talked about this, the bystander effect. But yeah, there's the challenge of we're all empowered. So if something goes wrong, then you must, you know, have the courage to step up and say that this is not right. You know, I, I don't really tolerate this because there should be a zero tolerance to any of this kind of behavior, right? Mm. Yeah, that's one of the things that we are saying. We're not tolerating it, but we want to find out how to change it and to find out how to solve the problem you need to understand it but the, just before we wrap up the last bit as well is that bystander effect we all know it's really super uncomfortable and if we're really honest with each other we've all frozen at times and wish we've stepped up for someone in the past whether it was you know in the school with the schoolyard bully to what you know situations in our community or in public but it's the most important thing that every employee should realize that we all have to take a stand with that. And no matter how uncomfortable, if you see a colleague being targeted and you see that something needs to be done, then, you know, the first thing you can do is just, you know, have the back. And it doesn't matter what happens after that, because if you take that very first step, you'd be surprised other people will step up as well, because you're you're actually impacting others and you're allowing them to do the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an opportunity to be a courageous leader, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I would like to thank all our viewers and listeners. This is also available on Anchor, um, or it will be in the next week. Um, you can um, see past episodes and current episodes on our website, which is www.unlearninglabels.com. And join us tomorrow on Clubhouse, uh, where we are every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Well, Standard Time, whatever <laughs> it's called, <laughs> the new time change time. So 2 p.m. Um, for New York time, and it's 8 p.m. in Central European time. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much. You know, I, I really love this collaboration with you two, Peter and Mira, because you have such a richness and depth of experience, you know, having worked in the Middle East and, um, you know, now being basically immigrants, right? In Berlin, yeah. <laughs> you're both immigrants now. And, um, and so this is just uh, a, a really human conversation about yeah. the language, you know, and, and choosing our language differently and changing our behavior. So. Yeah. Yeah, these are all challenges that we went through and uh, and dealt with. So you know, I've been a, I've been a, uh, 
immigrant since I was 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, but it's a humbling experience, right, to live in someone else's country and just see different perspectives. And I also understand that not everyone has the opportunity to do that, because even living in another country, unless you are forced to, is a privilege in itself. So that's why I always took those opportunity and I thought, right, let's learn everything about where I am, culture, food, everything, you know. And yeah, well, Cordelia, thank you for what you said, because I think we've learned a lot, all of us together, right? And it's been a rich conversation and dialogue so far, and I look forward to more episodes. Absolutely. So, and thank you, Nadia and Rahma and Brian. And there may be, let's see who else. I think that's uh, Abnesh uh, for being here. And, um, you know, if this has affected you, you know, if you've benefited from this conversation, please do share um, with others and share, you know, like maybe your organization struggles with this, share with the leaders at your organization. So, um, Thank you very much. And like I said, I invite you to join us tomorrow on Clubhouse. Same time, but on Clubhouse. And um, have a great evening or afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. As you can see, Unlearning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. Join us live every last Wednesday of the month for the recording of each episode and continue the conversation with us on Clubhouse every Thursday at 2 p.m. EST, 8 p.m. CET. If you would like us to help you address any of the topics we explore during the show, such as diversity and inclusion, cultural change, leadership development, or one-to-one -one executive coaching, please contact us via www.unlearninglabels.com or reach out to us via LinkedIn.